0: Thanks for clicking play on the latest episode of the Iowa Revolution Podcast. Spencer Dirks is my name. You are Dr. Bob Leonard. How are you doing, Dr. Bob?
1: Doing fine, thank you.
0: Uh, we are in the center of democracy right now at the Knoxville Public Library. It's a polling place, so hopefully everybody listening got out and voted yesterday. Have you voted already, Dr. Bob?
1: No, I will later.
0: Say, so, Planning on doing that uh, pretty much right after we're done with this. Jam-packed show, as always. Plenty of Iowa news. We had John Fetterman in the state recently trying to amp up some Democrats and get us going in the state of Iowa. Got some news on how balanced or not balanced Iowa juries are. Kind of an interesting note there. Israel-Palestine has been dominating the news obviously for the past to exactly a month now. Today we're recording November 7th, October 7th was Hamas' attack. It's really separated Democrats amongst themselves more than I think it's separated Democrats from Republicans.
1: Yeah, it's been very interesting to watch. I don't know exactly what the balance is, but what I don't understand is why people can't... I don't understand why they can't separate Hamas from the people of Palestine and why they can't separate... um, the Israelis from Netanyahu it's like the leadership you know I think well it's horrific on Hamas's side and you know like 80% of Israelis don't want Netanyahu so I mean it's just I just you can be for the people and against terrorist attacks and against isolating Gaza and you I mean it's just so complex you know I'm not going to speak much to it but all I know is that that the people on the ground getting hurt aren't the leadership, aren't the, you know, of either organization. And whatever we can do is we can speak, you know, with the best of intentions and wishes for the people. And just, I'm just sick of war. And I'm sick of, oh, you know, ostensibly the, you know, the reason behind it is religion. But think of all the big money dogs that are profiting off of this war and profit off of all wars and, and manipulate the religious beliefs of people to pit them against each other. And so it's, you know, it's bigger than religion. It's oligarchs and money and power and control. And it's, you know, it's, I'm listening to, you know, the the remake of the Billy Joel song, I forget the person. We didn't start the fire. Yeah, we didn't start the fire, and and you know the Billy Joel song came out in '89, and this new one came out in '83. I'm forgetting who is doing the new one, but it's it's got a it's a horrific kind of thing with all the tragedies that happen, you know, over the years. But there's one line in there that says we we didn't start the fire, but we've got to fight it, and uh, we have to fight it.
0: I feel like that war is already done, but we'll get to that in a little bit. We're also going to talk about Governor Reynolds. We've discussed many times whether or not she would officially declare her support for Ron DeSantis. She has done that. We have basically surmised that she has already. I mean, she went to the Iowa versus Iowa State game with Ron DeSantis. If that's not an endorsement, I don't know what is, but she has made it official. We'll also get Trump's comments about... Kind of his response to her throwing her support behind Ron DeSantis. Mike Johnson, we discussed him last time. He's the new Speaker of the House. Just an odd bird. (laughs) Very strange guy. So we'll get to a very strange story towards the end of the podcast. Top five product mascots is the top five today. There's a lot of very good ones. There's a lot that didn't make the list. So I'd be interested to see if you think I whiffed on some of these. But I think I got a pretty uh, solid top five.
1: You do.
0: All right. We'll start off. This is from the Cedar Rapids Gazette. Iowa Democrats gathered in Altoona Saturday night for a sold-out fundraising event. Local party leaders spoke to the group at the annual Liberty and Justice Celebration. Through community events and stories, the hope is to re-engage voters and encourage more people to get involved with the party and run for office. Iowa Democratic Party Chair Rita Hart said she hopes to unite the party and win more races in 2024. Quote, we're going to keep the story of Iowa Republican shortfalls and amplify our Democratic candidates to elect more Democrats up and down the ballot, Hart said. The night's featured speaker was Senator John Fetterman from Pennsylvania. He talked about the state of Congress and took jabs at Republican presidential candidates. Fetterman also encouraged Iowa Democrats to follow a similar strategy to his Every County, Every Vote campaign and invest in the party's attention in rural areas. He said the party didn't need to flip deep red counties, but instead, quote, reach the reachables. Fetterman also emphasized that Democrats should throw their support behind President Joe Biden. He said Democrats who are critical of the president, quote, might as well write a check for Trump, end quote.
1: I think that's true. And good for him. I've always liked John Fetterman, well, as soon as I became aware of him. And I think that, you know, he's a very powerful, uh, you know, senator. And I think that he's got a lot going for him. It's sad that he had the health issues that he had. but And then the Republicans are all over him for health issues. You know, and it's mental health issues and just, you know, so cruel rather than, you know, letting the guy you know, just work through these issues and, you know, and stomping when he's down is just, it's part of what they do. But I don't know. I think he's heroic. I think that I almost went to the event. I ended up not at the last minute. But he's right about, um, you know, every, you know, getting in every county and trying to get every vote. And for a while, Democrats haven't really invested in rural Iowa thinking they can win with just Polk County and Dallas County and, and Johnson County and maybe pick up one more but that was a big mistake and set us behind
0: the mistake is giving up and i feel like the democrats several years ago gave up on iowa the nationwide leadership we talked about what was his name perez tom perez, tom perez. destroyed the democratic party in iowa with his botched caucus rollout with using the new technology not having people train correctly and i think just in general the Republicans are more of a grassroots party in Iowa because they stay in the grassroots. It's, it's sort of similar to me between like, if you're a John Deere guy or a Case IH guy, or if you're a Ford truck driver or a Chevy truck driver, it's that sort of split between if you're a Republican or a Democrat in the state of Iowa. Being a Democrat in Iowa, I think you're looked down upon. You certainly don't feel at home often. You feel left behind by the nationwide party. It doesn't seem like anybody campaigns in areas around here. We see all sorts of Republicans campaigning, especially in Pella in Marion County, but we see all sorts of Republicans visiting Knoxville, Pella, smaller communities throughout the state. And it does seem like, I mean, this event was held in Altoona. I'm guessing it's a, a yearly thing, but how are you supposed to be talking about attracting rural voters when you're at some convention center next to Adventureland?
1: Yeah, well, the, the the fact of the matter is democratic policies are in rural America every day. True. You know, Obamacare, the GI Bill, Medicare, Medicaid, Social Security. So democratic policies are here every day. And the Republicans want to destroy most of them. They want to destroy Medicare. They want to destroy... Uh, Social Security and they'll say oh yeah Social Security is going to be bankrupt well it's not if you just index it to income you know it would just be over and so but they don't want to do that to make the rich people pay more or get less but anyway Democrats are there every day in rural America the problem is is that they don't have people investing directly into building the grassroots you know Uh, support that we need we've got county chairs that are doing as well as they can but one of the big problems and the differences between democrats and republicans is that republicans invest in their bench yeah where the you know well you know i think i've told this story before we had a candidate that went decided that the republican party was bad it was a local senate Candidate and thought that he might be able to change it from within. And so he went to the Republican Party and he said, "I'm thinking about running for office as a Republican." and They said, "Well, okay. Here's what you got to do. One, two, three, four, five. Here's the policies you have to support." And he said, "Well, I can't support this policy." And he said, "Well, we're not going to support you. Every single thing that he had to agree about everything." He went to the Democrats. Said, so, "Well, I think I'll run as a Democrat. I'm really a Democrat." They said, well, good luck. Have fun. The Republicans were going to give him everything, all the training, money, everything. The organization. Right. And he had to sign on the dotted line. He didn't. And the Democrats had patted him on the back and said, thank you and good luck. Right. And so that's not how you build an organization. I hope Rita Hart's changing it a bit.
0: Well, we discussed. She did an interview, and we discussed maybe two months ago or so about her trying to beef up those efforts trying to get more of those county chairs involved trying to get an an, organ, an organization in place that does just like they were talking about here trying to recruit people to run for office because that's the other issue there's a lot of times where we don't there's only a republican to vote for there, there is no democratic challenger in a lot of these areas and if they are it's not a good challenger you know it's somebody that they're basically throwing to the wolves
1: that, or somebody, more likely, it's somebody that's throwing themselves to the wolves. Right, yeah. And, yeah.
0: Not to say a cuckoo bird, but yeah, oftentimes it is somebody that just wants to make a name for themselves or has a little bit of a need for some recognition, being the center of attention, and they really don't have much... Much of a goal to win the race, they just want to be in the race.
1: Well, and I've written about this before, but look what they did with Kim Reynolds. Took a Clark County bright young woman from Clark County, a city, you know, a county treasurer, and then elevated her, trained her, helped her, nurtured her, and, you know, to the legislature, then to the lieutenant governor, and now to one of the most powerful governors in the nation. Right, and that was that's their building their bench, and they're doing it with people all the time. Brenna Byrd just didn't after she lost and lost again, they didn't you know toss her out and say bye. They invested in her, and now she's you know a powerful attorney general in Iowa, and i you know and endorsed Trump, and you know that's just very interesting
0: and even though her policies are destroying Iowa, destroying the rural communities, especially that school voucher bill. I think it does say a lot, the fact that she's from Clark County. We keep running people against her that are from Waterloo or Des Moines or in statewide races, a lot of Cedar Rapids or Dubuque. I mean, large city, at least for Iowa, large city Democratic contenders. But if you're going to try to reach those rural voters, I don't think they're even going to be open to hearing from somebody like Fred Hubble.
1: Yeah, it was. Well, but Fred Hubble came within just a couple of points, right?
0: Well, it, I think it should have been closer than it was. I had a lot of hope that he would win, but it wasn't all that close. I mean, Kim won pretty easily.
1: Yeah, and then the next time beat Deidre by, what, 13, 16 points? Yeah, something. that one was a rout. Well, and we can talk about that, but the Democratic Party didn't get behind Deidre Desire. Correct. They just left. her. And we have discussed that yeah.
0: before, that the yeah. people with the money in Des Moines... Like we said, they basically hung her out to dry. I mean, she had really no support, not very many ads. Unless you were a Democrat, to be quite honest, you probably didn't even know who the heck Kim Reynolds was running against. Yeah, she
1: was, uh, yeah, she's a great person and a great candidate, but she needed
0: support. Yeah. So, this is from Bleeding Heartland. Five of the eight Iowa counties with the largest black populations, quote, had trial juries that were fully representative of their jury eligible black population during 2022 and the first half of 2023, according to data analyzed by the Iowa Nebraska NAACP. However, trial juries in Polk County and Scott County failed to hit that benchmark, and Dubuque County was, quote, particularly problematic with zero Black members of any jury during that 18-month period reviewed. The same review indicated that trial juries in Lynn and Woodbury counties were close to being representative of the area's jury-eligible Latino population, with Latinos underrepresented on juries in Johnson, Marshall, Scott, and Polk counties, and particularly in Muscatine County. Studies have long shown that all white juries are more likely to convict black defendants than white defendants, and that diverse juries are better at fact-finding and deliberation due to a wider range of life experiences. Juries reflecting the communities they serve are also less likely to be influenced by overt or implicit bias.
1: Yeah, well, that's these are some surprising numbers, you know, one county without any black representation on juries
0: for 18
1: months yeah and so we have to ask why is that is there something wrong with the process um there has to be something wrong with the process there has to be something wrong with whoever's in charge of the jury selection for not seeking out that kind of balance yeah for seeking out that kind of balance
0: yeah i just thought it was an interesting story i have never seen numbers like this before i'm glad it's something that they track and follow because at least now those communities those counties know that they have an issue maybe they can do something to resolve it but it is it certainly on its face looks racist pure and simple because there are people in charge of obviously everybody can be called to a jury i've only been called for jury duty one time in my life and i was sent home before lunch i never even made it to a courtroom or anything like that but i was still there and and had a chance to be there it does seem like they're sending black people away Whether on purpose or not, it certainly does show that bias.
1: Well, in the first place that you'd have to look, I mean, having been, having watched lots of juries selected and, you know, had the chance to be on one, um, you have to look at the lawyers. Right. I mean, it's not the people that send out the notices because it's just sent out on, you know, if you're a resident, but it's uh, it has to be the lawyers have to be excluding black and Hispanic jurors, and so you have. I mean, that would be an interesting thing to see in the counties where there have been very few to see if there's particular if there's a pattern of bias in lawyers. Exactly, that's that, that the does, next step. That,
0: that does raise the next question: Is it a particular prosecutor that is denying more black jurors, or a particular defense attorney that's doing the same thing? Because we're still a pretty small state. You wouldn't think there'd be very high numbers, so it's not like that would be a hard thing to calculate, you wouldn't think.
1: Well, and the thing is that this is proof that systemic racial bias exists, which is one of the, the fundamental uh, premises of critical race theory that we've banned. They say, oh, there isn't any racism anymore, so saying that there's racism is racist, which is what the Republicans say, when here is the proof that critical race theory, which wasn't being taught in high schools anyway, but that that critical race theory is accurate, that there is systemic racial bias. And we need to be looking, and and I hope somebody digs into that to see where that bias is. And it could be the county... uh, a prosecutor. It could be, you know, the defendant's lawyers. Who knows where it is, but that should be able to be investigated.
0: And there's one thing, I mean, you know, if the black population in Dubuque County is, I'm just throwing this out, I don't know what it is, but let's just say 3%. That's probably somewhere around there. It would make sense if you only had, you know, 2% representation on juries. But the fact that they had zip zero zilch black jurors in 18 months definitely says something is wrong with that selection process.
1: Well, Dubuque County, I bet it has a higher uh, proportion of uh, of black people. I mean, it just has to. Um, something we can look up, you know, pretty quick, but it, it's just... I've, you know I've, i I was just saying
0: if, the, if I was just saying like let's say the population is eight percent and we found out that they were only represented in six percent of jur or you know in the jury right. pool, then okay, that's a couple percentage points, and for one year or eighteen months, that might be explained for a number of different reasons, but the fact that there's been zero out of however many percent. It stinks. there's certainly something wrong, and it's, it you can't just pick on Dubuque County because they have zero, as we mentioned. there were several counties across the state, not just with underrepresentation of the black population, but also of the Hispanic population as well.
1: Well, you're pretty close. I just looked up you know Dubuque, Iowa minority population. It's eighty eight percent white, but it's four point two five percent black, so you're pretty close.
0: I figured that it would be around yeah three or four percent. I would imagine that that would be the statewide percentage for the black population in the state of Iowa, somewhere between yeah. 3 and 5%. Yeah. So we mentioned Israeli-Palestinian war kind of throwing a wrench into the Iowa Democratic Party. This is from the Daily Iowan. University Democrats at Iowa told the Daily Iowan, that they don't plan to resign following calls for their resignation by the Iowa Democratic Party after the group released a statement Wednesday night on the Israel-Hamas war. And this is the leadership that was talking to the Daily Iowan. This comes on the second day of a back and forth between the University Democrats at Iowa and the Iowa Democratic Party over the University of Iowa student group statement. All three representatives said for now they will not be satisfying the request of the Iowa Democratic Party by resigning from their positions. Treasurer Matthew Charles added that the organization posts about a multitude of issues that the Iowa Democratic Party doesn't usually address. Charles said following the release of the original statement at 12.10 p.m. last Wednesday, which included the line that some find controversial, quote, may every Palestinian live long and free from the river to the sea, end quote, the UI Democrats representatives received calls from Iowa state representatives over the concerns of the broad interpretations of the line from the river to the sea has been known to be associated with both genocide and Palestinian solidarity. It is in reference to the Jordan River, which acts as a border for Israel to the east, and the Mediterranean Sea, which lines the coast with the western border of Israel. I saw that controversy obviously it was on Wednesday of last week so we had already recorded our podcast but I wanted to remember to talk about this because to me Rita Hart and the Iowa Democratic Party are shooting themselves in the foot to attack and then to ask for the resignation of your young Democratic leaders when most young Democrats probably agree with the UI Democrats well and I'm not saying they have to endorse what they said, but if they would have just, I don't know. To me, it it they're, they've created a controversy where there probably was none.
1: Well, I want to know how if those kids knew the meaning of that statement. Well, there's several the different meanings of, of that yeah. statement. So yeah, I don't I don't know if you had to be so heavy footed on it, and they, you know, and there are a variety of opinions in the Democratic Party about it. But yeah, I don't know. I read into it, but I don't know the circumstances. I haven't talked to anybody involved. I don't know why the Democratic Party. I think that it would have been, a, a, I would have probably used it as a teaching moment.
0: Exactly. Why can't you just call up these leaders and say, hey, let's get a Zoom meeting together and discuss what our issues with this statement yeah. are. And then you can listen to us and whether or not you agree with us or not, let's show some sort of united front in this very complicated issue. Yeah, let's work
1: through this together. And if we, you know, are on the same page, fine. If not, if we're on different pages, well, you know, there you go.
0: Yeah, I mean, why couldn't you private? I mean, to publicly ask for these leaders' resignations just seems like you're shooting yourself in the foot. As I mean, we've been <laughs> discussing for the first, you know, first 20 minutes of this podcast about how Democrats are lost at sea in the state of Iowa, and this shit doesn't help.
1: No, I don't think it helps either, and it just draws more attention to it.
0: Yeah, the divides.
1: Yeah, well, and you know, and I guess this is what happens when you have a big tent party too. You, yeah. You know, um, but I, I don't think you make things better by doing things publicly rather than trying to sort them out and figure them out.
0: And I think you and I, I think you and I are of the same mind in that I am not an expert on Israel or Hamas or Palestinian versus Israeli territory. I don't think you probably are either. But that's exactly my point. These students at the University of Iowa, I'm not exactly sure what their background is, but they may just be under-informed, like we discussed. I mean, maybe they don't know the history of that. Maybe they saw a meme or were watching TikTok and thought, okay, that's a catchy slogan, and they don't know the history of it. But, again, to call publicly for... Their resignation, publicly rebuke them for posting something on social media that I don't know how many followers they have. But I don't think it's that. To me, they made a mountain out of a molehill and are muddying waters that are already really freaking muddy. Because I don't know exactly. I mean, obviously, it's easy to pick a side between Israel and Hamas. Hamas is a terrorist organization. But you also, the more you hear and learn what Israeli defense forces have done to the Gaza Strip, it becomes harder to stay on their side as well.
1: Well, right. And we're not experts. Right. None of us are. And, you Which know, is
0: why I've tried to avoid talking about it too much. I mean, obviously, I brought this up more in the context of how it's separating the Democratic Party right now. But, yeah, I've tried to avoid talking about it because I don't want to say something that I regret, even though I wouldn't purposely try to do that you know right. what i mean no,
1: i understand but republicans would never have that divide they yeah
0: they just spout shit off and yeah uh, anything goes Any
1: you know any silly ridiculous evil cruel thing is fair game for them right but no we have an actual conscious
0: but that's the thing we've discussed i mean we could have turned this into a constructive learning experience for everybody in a way for all of us to come together maybe not agree on how we solve the issues but at least have a common agreement of what we want to how we want to portray ourselves publicly i think there is importance in having a united front on something like this well maybe not a united front again in in terms of who you're who you're behind or who you're rooting for sounds just too juvenile but I think you get my point a united front in the fact that we are we are in this together and we will have discussions at a, as a party together and then make decisions
1: well did the Iowa Democratic Party release a nuanced statement on this that the, no. that the state or that the you know the University of Iowa No Democratic, they basically
0: called the the University of Iowa Democrats genocidal yeah. is what they is what the response yeah. was
1: yeah, I don't think so. But if they don't provide guidance, where do the college kids, how do they know how to, how do they know they don't have a framework, a set of of guiding principles? Again, this
0: goes back to what we discussed right at the top of this podcast of just the lack of organization, the lack of communication among, and this is party leadership. And we're talking about the largest public university in the state with probably the largest college group of young democrats and you're fighting with your state party about something that's very very serious too this isn't some quibble about some you know monetary policy or something like that this is blood and soil
1: yeah yeah i don't yeah i don't know i don't know what the kids know i don't know their purpose i don't know yeah i just know that I think this does.
0: Yeah. And I think this does also go to a national level, too, where this is not seemingly helping Joe Biden. There's a lot of young Democrats that are not on Israel's side.
1: Yeah. Well, they can be on the side of the Israeli people. I mean, it's It's 80 percent of people. I understand
0: that, but it's hard to separate. I mean, Donald Trump was my president. And I don't know how many people that live in Canada or France or fill-in-the-blank country would have excused me as an American for what Donald Trump did. Just like I don't know if we excuse Russians for what Vladimir Putin does. Well, I do. I know you do. And I, I mean, I, to a certain extent, do myself. But the leaders of a nation or the leaders of a party or the leaders of a, a terrorist organization are... leaders for some reason well and especially in a democracy like we like to call ourselves we probably have a a bigger say in who those leaders are than hamas or certainly the russian people
1: well yeah there isn't a real election in russia there hasn't been an election in um, palestine in nearly 20 years there hasn't and the I don't know if there's been a fair election for several years anyway in Israel. Right. I mean, yeah, I don't know.
0: Let's, yeah, (laughs) let's move on before we get ourselves into trouble. This is from, let's get into some caucus news. This is the Cock Talk segment. This is from the Cedar Rapids Gazette. With Ron DeSantis trying to pull out a strong finish in the Iowa Republican caucuses just about two months away, he scored a rare endorsement Monday from a sitting Iowa governor during a presidential primary. The question now is whether Iowa Governor Kim Reynolds' endorsement of the Florida governor will have an impact on the primary in this first-in-the-nation caucus state. Whereas as is also the case nationally, former President Donald Trump has consistently held a commanding lead in polls over DeSantis and the rest of the field. Reynolds officially endorsed DeSantis during a campaign rally Monday night at an event center in Des Moines. Quote, to be quite honest, he is one of the most effective leaders I have ever seen, Reynolds said. Quote, we need someone who will fight for you and win for you, someone who won't get distracted, but will stay disciplined, who puts his country first and not himself. That leader is Ron DeSantis, End quote. And you can kind of read between the lines and won't get distracted, will stay disciplined, puts his country first, not himself. I mean, those are pretty obvious digs at Ron DeSantis' main challenger, Donald Trump.
1: Yeah, it's going to be interesting to see if this means anything. Um, if, If Reynolds really wanted to, you know, come out for somebody that, had a better chance of winning. She should have come out for Nikki Haley because she's on the rise. DeSantis is falling. But at the same time, she's built a very good relationship with the DeSantis family. Casey DeSantis, and she sat together. I saw them, you know, sitting together at the pro-Putin freedom summit that Bob Vanderplot's, you know, organized. that let the disgraced Tucker Carlson moderate And uh, they just looked like old girlfriends. I mean, they just, like, BFFs forever, and they just really hit it off, those two women. And Casey DeSantis was up here when uh, Kim Reynolds' husband, the first dude, was, you know, shortly after he was diagnosed with cancer. So there's a real relationship between those people. And so I think she made a heartfelt decision for what she thought was the right thing for America not the political thing that so many other people have done getting behind Trump and some uh, and a lot of uh, senators uh, legislators have gotten behind DeSantis before some people a few people I see are shifting from endorsing Trump in our legislature to DeSantis so given that Nikki Haley was the better pick I think she probably, oh, you know, did went with her heart and what she really thought was better. Um, Not that it would be better, but I just think that Ron DeSantis would be better at destroying democracy than Trump has been. So, you know, I'm fearful for that, but I don't know, it's... People say, well, you know, he's talked about her for vice president, and we've talked about this before, that she doesn't bring anything really after the Iowa caucuses, but one of the swing states is Michigan, and maybe a Midwestern governor would help in that swing state. Um, I, Some people have said, well, maybe it's a nice ambassadorship, maybe she'd be Secretary of Ag, you know, Interior, you know, who knows, but, you know, her husband has cancer, I hear she doesn't want to, she didn't want to replace Grassley, you know, in the Senate. Yeah, we've discussed
0: before it didn't seem like she, with her choices and decisions so far, it does seem like she is comfortable being the Iowa governor for as long as she wants to do that. And after that, I don't think she'll stay in politics. I could see her just retiring to Clark County.
1: Well, um, she's building a nice big new house in Clark County. Right. So,
0: yeah, that doesn't seem like something you would do if you had plans on moving to Washington, D.C.
1: Well, it'd be a nice place to come home to. Sure. But I don't know. I just don't see her, you know, in the beltway. But I didn't see her as being, you know, when I first interviewed her when she was running, you know, for lieutenant governor. I never thought she would be this powerful or effective.
0: I agree completely in the fact that I do think this is just a personal decision. They've been pretty much in lockstep as Republican governors in terms of LGBTQ bathroom bill, school vouchers, abortion bans. I mean, pretty much anything Iowa has done, Florida will do the same or vice versa. So I think they are aligned politically and they are also genuinely friends. So it's a rare instance where it doesn't seem like this is a political calculation. This is just a personal decision.
1: Well, and when DeSantis is on the stage with her, he looks and acts almost human.
0: That's saying a lot. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, this is just kind of Trump's response to this. This is from Iowa's starting line. Quoting Trump on Truth Social, quote, if and when Kim Reynolds of Iowa endorses Ron DeSanctimonious, who is absolutely dying in the polls, both in Iowa and nationwide, it will be the end of her political career in that Mega would never support her again, just as Mega will never support DeSanctimonious again, Trump wrote continuing to quote, Two extremely disloyal people getting together is, however, a very beautiful thing to watch. They can now remain loyal to each other because nobody else wants them, end quote. He used three exclamation points there. In another True Social post, Trump shared a screenshot of a morning consult poll that listed Reynolds as America's most unpopular governor, followed by DeSantis as the second most unpopular governor, both won re-election by large margins in 2022. By the way, that's a nationwide poll. Kim Reynolds is very popular in the state of Iowa. Yes, She's yes. just not popular nationwide. Same yeah. thing with Ron DeSantis. And I don't think his popularity has grown much in Florida since he started his campaign for president. But Kim Reynolds, I think, still has a lot of strong support in the state of Iowa. But this is almost like a divorce and then you know, a remarriage almost where Kim Reynolds was doing whatever Donald Trump would want. She campaigned with him several times, both in 2016 and 2020, and was in lockstep with him up until Ron DeSantis entered the race. So what does this do to those supporters that were both Donald Trump and Kim Reynolds supporters?
1: Who do they go with? I don't think it matters. I don't. They can like them both. I mean, they. It's not going to be an issue. They're not going to say, "Oh, Kim didn't go for Trump." I'm still. I'm not going to vote. I'm going to vote for a Democrat. Yeah. You know, it doesn't really mean anything. What you know, every everything that you read there just made me think, what a pathetic man Donald Trump is. How pathetic! What a child! What a toddler! And that's <laughs> the, pe- that's the person that, you know all of these republicans like yeah i mean Think what he's does the, that say the manly man manly man he's not a manly man that's what
0: i'm saying republicans look at him as this you know virile just masculine ideal it's
1: just absurd i know it's, it's just, just, i mean
0: i know that i'm getting the look of you of, of that is absurd i'm just saying that what other explanation is there for all this art that i see of donald trump with his shirt off and drawn in pecs and six packs and has three tanks behind him and he's holding an AK forty seven and there's Eagles and American flags and you've seen what I'm talking
1: about. I've seen yeah, I've seen. I've talked to the people that sell it too. But it's yeah, it's just ridiculous. It's it's cosplay. Yeah. I mean that's what it is. And that's what all of it is when you go to the MAGA events and all the all the gear that they have, it's like they're, you know, like they're, you know, nine years old and doing cosplay for you know like
0: like transformers or stuff like that anime yeah Yeah, and so
1: they get into it and they use all of our imagery they've appropriated all of the imagery the bald eagles the uncle sam yep yeah the cross and so it's just it's ridiculous but it's very effective branding you know all around it's all this myth making around this fool
0: right it still boggles the mind that he can be as popular with those people as he is because he's never been a Republican in his life until he ran in 20, well, 2015 is when the campaign started. But I always knew of Donald Trump as being a liberal New Yorker because that's what he was. And now all these Republicans adore him. You
1: know, he's, yeah, it's just all transactional. It's what he, he is. What, well and Fox creates him too. It's just like they only show one side of him. Mm-hmm. I mean, they... Um, so he can say all of these ridiculous things, but that doesn't mean that Fox is going to present it. Right. You know, he can be indicted. He can be in court. doesn't mean they're going to tell anyone. You know, he can be storing, you know, top secret documents in the bathroom and giving them away to Australians. And if Fox News doesn't tell people that, they don't know that. Right. So, I don't know. It's just... If somebody would have written this as a novel, people wouldn't have believed it.
0: It would have been a very pulpy novel. Yeah, they would have believed
1: it. This is not not the realm of human possibility.
0: I think it does sort of shake up the race a little bit. It adds a little bit of newsworthiness to the Iowa caucuses. I don't know for a fact, but they said in this article it's extremely rare for a sitting governor. I don't know if just in the state of Iowa, but I feel like nationwide it's not common that a governor would endorse a candidate before their state's primary. Well, Branstad,
1: when was it? In 2012, said anybody but Ted Cruz.
0: (laughs) Good for him. (laughs) I mean, we can all agree on that.
1: And I don't remember any other endorsements like that. But yeah, she said she was going to stay neutral. But you know what? Things have changed. Oh, um, sort of. I mean, January 6th, was, she was still supporting Trump. But, you know, Grassley says he's still going to stay neutral.
0: Yes, he did say that. You
1: know that Ernst despises Trump. Yes. You know. It, By the way,
0: good for Joni Ernst to stick up to freaking Tommy Tuberville with yeah. the holdup of the military promotions. She let him have it. And he deserves all of the vitriol that he is getting. Let's take a wider scope before we get to this week's top five. This is from Rolling Stone. Speaker of the House, newly minted Speaker of the House, Mike Johnson, admitted that he and his son monitored each other's porn intake in a resurfaced clip from 2022. During a conversation on the war on technology at Benton, Louisiana, Cypress Baptist Church, unearthed by ex-user Receipt Maven, slash Twitter, the Louisiana representative talked about he installed accountability software called Covenant Eyes on his devices in order to abstain from internet porn and other unsavory websites. I'm quoting Johnson here. It scans all the activity on your phone or your devices, your laptop, what have you. We do all of it. It sends a report to your accountability partner. My accountability partner right now is Jack, my son. He's 17. So he and I get a report about all the things that are on our phones, all of our devices, once a week. If anything objectionable comes up, your accountability partner gets an immediate notice. I'm proud to tell you, my son has got a clean slate." Outside of the creepy big brotherness of it all, Receipt Maven also aired concerns about whether Covenant Eyes, which is still a working subscription-based service, might compromise Johnson's devices if he's still actively seeking accountability. Quote, a U.S. congressman is allowing a third-party tech company to scan all of his electronic devices daily and then uploading reports to his son about what he's watching or not watching, Receipt Maven wrote. I mean, who else is accessing that data?
1: Well, that's a good point. Did he actually say the word porn, or did he just talk about monitor what's each on each other's phone? I don't think he said, that. my son and I look and see who's watching porn
0: No, but it is implied. Yeah. What else would you be doing on your phone or tablet that you would need a quote-unquote accountability partner for? Buying black market weapons?
1: Well, I mean, there's all kinds of things that...
0: Going to MSNBC.com? Yeah,
1: I don't know. I just... I'm trying to think if I've ever... I've done things like how to build a pipe bomb. Sure. For example, because we had somebody build a pipe bomb, you know, here in the county. Right. And I wanted to know what was involved with it. But, I mean, if they were monitoring me for pipe bombs. But, I mean, the explosion that had occurred and a woman was dead. But, so, I don't know. It just seems like it's so over the top in the sense that why... I guess if you wanted to monitor what your kids were doing, but a 17-year-old is going to figure out what they're doing. I mean, if 17-year-olds are going to do what 17-year-olds do. Well, that's the do.
0: thing. I mean, Mike Johnson might be clean, quote-unquote, but a 17-year-old son, if he's going to be looking up porn, he's just going to do it on a phone that is not part of Covenant Eyes or on a laptop that's not hooked up to his account.
1: And he can probably turn it off or whatever. I don't care. The scarier part about this is this is small. I mean, it says that he's just sort of a weird, pervy guy. Very weird. But why does he have no bank account? How can somebody have no bank account? He says he's a person of modest means. Everybody has a bank account, right? Yes. How can he not have a bank account? Where's the money coming from? Is his his church paying for everything? and his views on women and his views on oh LGBTQ people, that bothers me more than his accountability partner is his son and that he was an insurrectionist. He's the main person you know, supporting Trump.
0: What, what, the, the thing that I thought of right away was, why do you need an accountability partner? To me, that means that you had or continue to have an issue
1: Yeah. Yeah.
0: Why else would you have covenant eyes? That also speaks to something like that seems like something that a husband and wife would have. Maybe the husband or wife has been chatting with people online, you know, people of the opposite sex so they want to make sure that they're not emailing these people or having conversations or maybe they do have some sort of porn addiction or something along those lines and they want to have somebody that's keeping an eye on them and letting them know, hey, I know that you were on this website. But that's not something that you would think it's certainly never coming up with my dad and I <laughs> and we have a very close relationship. I just can't imagine that being brought up out of the blue of hey, I saw this website, you wanna be my accountability partner? Yeah. I would tell my dad no, by the way, too. Like, find somebody else. I don't want anything to do with.
1: I know there's accountability partners in the business world. And it's people that you talk to about decisions that you're making, any challenges that you might have. But in terms of use of the internet,
0: I so, know. so yeah, I, I Googled covenant eyes and it comes up from the Apple, like the Apple store covenant eyes quit porn. Now 17 plus app store. It's so that's what they're <laughs> literally what they're about. about. So he, like I said, he didn't, I don't think he said the word porn, but it's implied. I mean. There's no well, other reason to have it. In
1: that world, what I know of it is that there's all kinds of things out there that that the world is bad. The world is bad. You can only trust somebody within the church. There's all these the devil works in all these ways to undermine you. And so but there's the devil is out there, there's all these temptresses out there and that and that you have to, you know, guard yourself and protect yourself from that evil world out there. And it's like, holy cow! <laughs> maybe I better get something to protect me. I know there's an
0: app that will protect me from the evils of the world. Yes, keep the devil away. That's
1: it. That's yeah. it. We've just explained it.
0: All right. Uh, anything else happened this week, or anything coming up that you want to chat about?
1: Uh, it'll be interesting to see the results of the election. Yeah. You know, different things. <sighs> I was going to ask
0: you actually obviously mainly local elections are going on but are there any i know that there was a ballot measure in ohio about the i think it was the 15 week abortion ban Mm -hmm. was there anything else that you had seen
1: i saw that there were several things that the media was watching it's going to be interesting to see school board races across the country uh here locally we'll see if uh what's happening with uh of the Pella Library, and there was an initiative, you know, trying to make, you know, pull the um, the library board pull control of the library off the library board and give it to the city council, and it would be the only, and Pella would be the only, uh, the second um, library in the state to have that. Why do you have that? Well, because you have to have a, you can't trust the city council. I think the city council in Pella right now would do a good job, but city councils in general, you can't trust to defend the library. You could have somebody, you could have people say, we're, you know, we don't need a library anymore. We've got an internet, which, you know, and I know our board of supervisors, most of them don't know, even know what a library does. One of them I know hasn't been in a library probably since, you know, 1969, (laughs) and so they don't know what the library does. And so but you, you need defenders of the library, and that isn't necessarily a city council.
0: Yeah, that'll be interesting to well, see. Well, I mean,
1: in Texas, they've closed all the school libraries. I didn't know that. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know what the current state of it is, but the, but the Greg Abbott-appointed, you know, head of schools in Texas decided they don't need libraries anymore. So you can't trust city councils. You need library boards that are advocates for libraries.
0: That have actually read books.
1: Yeah that have read books that frequent the library that go there that value it that know that the know li- the
0: people that also frequent the library and yeah. know what they want and need and all
1: the services the library provides here we are
0: in the library recording our podcast right. Right. for free didn't have to rent a space they've just yep. got a room that anybody can use
1: yep and the library is you know for all of us it right. doesn't matter how much money you have how little you have your color creed it's the libraries for us all and they need to be defended
0: Spencer's top five product mascots. Number five, Mr. Clean.
1: He's pretty good. I like the cartoon version. When they went to a human actor, it wasn't as good anymore.
0: Always prefer the cartoon over the. Even when it comes to, you know, how Disney's making all these live action remakes? I've only seen one of them, I think and that was Beauty and the Beast. I actually saw it at the Grand Theater in Knoxville. I was pretty excited to see it because I also saw the original animated in the theater and loved it, and the remake was god-awful. It was like two hours and 15 minutes long, first of all, which, I mean, obviously I'm an adult, but that's a kid's movie. No kid's movie should be over two hours, even close to two hours, really. They added new songs that were not very good. My point is, cartoons are always better than live action. Number four is The Energizer Bunny. (laughs)
1: Yeah, the Energizer Bunny is sort of cute. It's yeah, it's and the messages there just keeps on going. Yeah, that's a good one. It's a
0: great tie in for a mascot. Just keeps going and going and going.
1: Right. And and it's clearly a battery operated thing. So exactly, yeah. like
0: the little drum, yeah, yeah, it's perfect. Number three is Joe Camel.
1: Oh yeah, I forgot about Joe Camel. But yeah, he was interesting.
0: I was, was a longtime it? Camel smoker and yeah, Joe Camel, and he got trashed because his kids liked him. Correct. Yeah, Yep. Yeah, there is no Joe Camel anymore. Same thing with Marlboro Man. No more Marlboro Man.
1: Well, the Marlboro Man didn't he lose his jaw and tongue and everything? Yes, he to did. Due cigarettes. Yes, he did. Yeah. So, but um, so <laughs> see no another wonder, another, no another instance
0: Marlboro. of why cartoons are better than. The real thing, because Joe Camel didn't have to worry about his. Um, no,
1: why do they think? Why do they think that cartoons are only for kids? I mean, gr- the graphic—it's art. Correct for yeah. everybody. Well, oh, and
0: obviously, The Simpsons has been popular yeah. for thirty years now, yeah. and Family Guy. I mean, there's all sorts of adult animation. So I don't know. I guess it's an entryway for kids to
1: to like Mr. Clean and want to clean the house.
0: I don't think it works that <laughs> way, Doctor Bob. They'll start smoking because of Joe Camel, but I don't know if they're going to start cleaning because of Mr. Clean. It'd be cool if it worked that way. Uh, they will eat Kellogg's because of Tony the Tiger, number two, though.
1: Yeah, Tony Tony was good. Or maybe he still is. So I don't watch TV, really, so I don't know if they're still...
0: He's still around. Yep, Tony the Tiger is still out there in commercials. I Just recently, I've seen him.
1: Now, isn't it interesting You know how we anthropomorphize animals to sell
0: products? Yeah. Especially cereals. You know, there's Toucan Sam and, um well, there's Keebler Elves isn't necessarily cereals, but it's targeted towards yeah. kids, of course, you yeah. know, Co- cookies, cookies. Yeah. yeah, right.
1: Yeah, all of those things, they're just sort of interesting. And the,
0: the rabbit tricks, you know, tricks are for kids, and yeah, the rabbit keeps rabbit trying to, good. yeah, right.
1: Yeah, no, those are good.
0: Number one, for some reason this just always takes me back, but Jolly... Green Giant is number
1: one. Well see you know ho 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 the jolly like yeah. From the, yeah. Well I remember being young young enough to think the jolly green giant was real.
0: I know, agree.
1: And it was just like how amazing that is there's this guy that cares so much about our corn. Right. And and it had a nice smile. He was a giant, he was Larger than life. I mean, I'm just all caught up in the Jolly Green Giant.
0: Same. And I think I also, Andre the Giant was very popular when I was growing up, especially when I was very young, like the late Mm -hmm. 80s, early 90s. So I also, for whatever reason, shouldn't say for whatever reason, they're both giants. But I have them conflated in my mind. I can't really think of the Jolly Green Giant without thinking of Andre the Giant. And I also love Andre the Giant. He was one of my favorite wrestlers. So it just takes me back to my childhood for whatever reason, even though he's also still around. But I still just think of being a, a small kid when I think of the Jolly Green Giant. Me too.
1: And he was so friendly.
0: Friendly. And, you know, we were talking about how the Republicans think of Trump as this, like, man's idea of a man. The Jolly Green Giant is man's idea of a man.
1: The Jolly Green he helps, Giant, he, with he helps feed Trump's people. Ads. Oh,
0: absolutely! It wouldn't even be a contest. Yeah, and he just wants to feed people nutritious meals. Yeah, and help farmers. Any that I'm missing, by the way?
1: Well, I was thinking about it, and I remember liking the Ham's Beer Bear. When oh, I was a hell kid. yes, yes! Watching Dodgers games, and actually, probably a lot of different. But I just remember Vin Scully. Yeah, because he was so such a great broadcaster, and so that's probably what I associate it. But with a then. great animated character, yeah,
0: the Hams Bear,
1: yeah, and the little <laughs> stories that they would tell.
0: On, oh, and the the Ham signs with the bears are yeah. some of the most intricate, cool, and expensive bar signs you're ever going to find. Well, and the they've, got the, yeah, ones, they've got the yeah, they've got the water you know rolling through, and they've got the deer and the bear, and very very cool. I'm always on the lookout because my dad. Loves that sort of stuff. Also likes Ham's beer. So I'm always on the lookout. But you're lucky to find any of them for sale, first of all. And you're lucky to find any of them under, like, $500 Yeah. if you do find one. Uh, the M&Ms were also a good one. The other one that kind of came to mind was the Pillsbury Doughboy is also a good, yeah,
1: he's a good product
0: good. mascot. Poke his tummy. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs>
1: yeah, he was good. And, you know... That made me think of the Stay Puff Marshmallow Man, but I don't remember that except from Ghostbusters. Same.
0: I when I was putting this list together, that was also one that first came to mind, one of the first two or three that I thought of, but I same thing. I was like, is that even was that an actual product mascot? I have no idea. Or was that just something that Ghostbusters used?
1: We could Google it, but we may as well let it be a mystery. I was
0: going to say, we're nearing the end of the podcast anyway. We'll let everybody that's listening Google that if you want to, if you want to find out that information. Top five condiments next week.
1: Well, that'll be good.
0: Yeah. I mean, really good. Yeah. Tasty. Tasty. All right. Any other thoughts before we wrap things up on the 31st edition, by the way, of the Iowa Revolution podcast? I know you lose count sometimes, so we are on number 31 wow so yeah thanks to all of our subscribers you can also subscribe if you haven't already to our sub stack it's iowa revolution you'll get our podcast emailed to you every wednesday morning dr bob also has two different sub stacks one is deep midwest which is politics and culture then he also has cedar creek nature notes which is taking a walk in the woods with dr bob also make sure you follow that account on instagram same thing cedar creek nature notes
1: Yeah, and it's fun and no politics.
0: No politics at all. Just fun, cool pictures, cool sounds, cool videos, cool stuff.
1: Yeah. Makes the world a whole better place when you spend, you know, the first hour, hour and a half of your morning while you couldn't, otherwise you'd get up at three (laughs) Three in the morning, yeah. No, you'd have to get up at two. But, you know, if you take some time and enjoy nature, it's very healing. Yeah.
0: So yeah, you can follow along with Doctor Bob's morning walks there at cedar creek nature notes you can also listen to us pretty much anywhere iheart apple spotify etc um so yeah we appreciate you listening we'll be back again next week dr bob it's always a pleasure can't wait to see you again in a week
1: Yep, yeah, we'll have fun as usual and and get pissed off <laughs>
0: yes